All right, another episode of Queued Up, October 3rd on a Monday. Thank you all for listening. How are you guys today? I'm Quinton Pelzel. We'll be talking some NFL, the New York Mets disappointment over the weekend. How about the Yankees and Aaron Judge still looking for that elusive 60-second home run? And then, of course, we'll wrap it up with talking about Monday Night Football and then a preview for the rest of the week. But right now, I do want to talk about the lowly Mets who are just really, really down right now. And it's just really unfortunate because the Mets coming into this weekend, you thought that they were going to win at least one against the Braves. And really, that's all they needed to do. I said on Monday's podcast that all they needed to do was just win one game and then they'd have the tiebreaker, and then they could go into this series against the Nationals really only thinking about two out of three. And you'll pretty much win the division unless the Braves sweep. But it was just a terrible weekend for the New York Mets starters, starting with Jacob deGrom, who went six innings, gave up three runs. Yeah, I mean, with any other pitcher, you would say that that's a great start. But with Jacob deGrom on the mound, you expect him to be spotless, especially in the big spot, and he was not. Six innings, three runs. That's not bad when you consider what Max Scherzer and Chris Bassett did in the following days. I mean, it is just embarrassing how bad these pitchers were for the Mets, and the Braves beat the Mets at the Mets' best. You have DeGrom, you have Scherzer, and you have Bassett. Three of the best pitchers, or at least two of the best pitchers in the league. You have Bassett, who could be a number one on a lot of different teams, but You have your three best pitchers going, and the Mets still end up losing the game, um, all three of those games. And the Braves, let's just face it, they have the better team. They beat the Mets with their best on the mound. The Braves out-hit them. Dansby Swanson had his way with the New York Mets pitching staff, and really, that is all she wrote. So the division is over, and the Mets now have to reset and find out some way to get in the right mindset for this game on Friday, which is going to be the first time that this franchise is playing in a playoff game since 2016. It's been a while, but the Mets do need to get it right. They're going to be playing in that first round, and then if they do somehow get past the Padres, which we all know in a best-of-three series in baseball, anything can happen. So you can literally you can have the Mets going up against the Nationals this week, and the Mets still lose two out of three against the Nationals. Like, that could happen. You can have bad teams in the playoffs, and they can win the game. So nothing is given, even though the Mets are the better team on paper. The Padres could very well beat the Mets, especially with the way that the Mets are playing right now. And as bad as this series was for the Mets, it's really not what lost the division. Over the last 14 games, the Mets went 6-8 and eight against the Nationals, the Marlins, the Cubs, the A's. You can't win a division if you do that. The Mets for five months were playing great baseball and they just hit a wall in September. I don't know what it is. The offense, the pitching staff, a little bit of both. It's just really hard to watch right now because the Mets just seem like they have no life offensively. They try to call up Francisco Alvarez and Mark Vientos. Those two guys have been struggling. Alvarez doesn't even have a hit yet and he played in all three games. You have Vientos, who's batting 140, just a walking strikeout at this point. Vogelback finally did something last night, but before that, he's been horrible. And Darren Ruff, he just got put on the IL because he cannot hit left-handed pitching all of a sudden. So you got to prepare for this San Diego team, and then if they do somehow get past the Padres, they got to go against the Dodgers, who are having one of the best seasons in Major League history. So good luck for the Mets. That's why winning this division was so important 
for the New York Mets. They needed to win the division, but they just came up a little short despite this team probably winning 100 games at some point if they take two out of three against the Washington Nationals this week. Yeah, they'll win 100 games, but they'll still be in second place and still be a four seed in Major League Baseball playoffs. Elsewhere around the MLB, you have the Astros and the AL as the number one, and then the Yankees as the number two. The Blue Jays and the Mariners will kick off Friday playoffs along with the Rays and the Cleveland Guardians. The Rays are the sixth seed, just sneaking in and eking out the Orioles. And then on the other side, of course, you've got the Braves, who are the two seed, the Dodgers, who are the one, and then the Phillies, despite their struggles as of late, looks like they're going to be a six seed. And then the Cardinals, they won the NL Central, so they'll be the three seed. Even though the Cardinals do have a worse record than the New York Mets, they won the division, so they are given that seeding ahead of the New York Mets. So the Mets are technically the four seed, which sucks even more, too. It's not like they can be that three seed, play the Phillies, and then go on to play the Braves. They have to beat the Padres, and then they have to beat the Dodgers, who are the best team in the NL the best team in the MLB, and then they can move on and will probably face the Braves in the NL um, CS as well. So that's the postseason picture as it stands. A lot of teams getting in to the playoffs this year, more teams than usual. This is the first, I think this is the first season that MLB has experimented with this expanded playoff format. Total of six teams in each league getting into the playoffs. I'm not a huge fan of the best of three series in the playoffs I think it's just stupid and it totally devalues the regular season I mean hopefully if you're a Mets fan the only thing you really have going for you is that and to be totally honest even if the Mets didn't win the NL East if you asked me a couple weeks ago the Braves were going to win the NL East do you think the Mets have a chance I would have said yeah because the Mets have very good pitchers DeGrom and Scherzer can match up against anybody but right now they just got beat by the Braves with their best pitchers on the mound. So I'm not really confident in the Mets that they can do anything, especially with this offense. Lindor and Alonzo, they had a couple hits two nights ago. That's fine. But largely, like Lindor striking out, looking terrible yesterday. Alonzo for the first half of this month was looking terrible. Over the last week, he got it going. But now this series, he didn't really do anything. So it all comes down to can Lindor, can Alonzo hit? And if they can't hit, this Mets offense is going nowhere. If you look up and down the Braves lineup, they've got eight guys who can hit the long ball. And they hit the long ball against the Mets. They had extra base hits. The Mets only hit singles. I think the Mets out-hit the Braves last night, and they still lost. And how about this guy, Kenley Jansen, too, for the Atlanta Braves? I mean, this guy, he's terrible. This Jansen is so bad, and I cannot believe he shut down the Mets for three straight nights. Just absolutely embarrassing if you're a hitter for the Mets. I mean, a 91-mile-an-hour cutter is his best pitch, and you're a major league player and you can't hit that. I mean, it's just so frustrating to see Kenley Jansen shut down the Mets like he did. It is what it is. Normally, the Mets have been playing pretty well when their backs are against the wall this year. Whenever they needed a win, they got it, but not this weekend. Um, The next three games against the Nationals don't really matter. The playoffs are already set. They just got to use those games and hope that Their players do not get hurt. I mean, rest Alonzo, rest Lindor, because they got to be ready. They got to be 100% ready to go. You got to make sure your pitching rotation is lined up. DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett. Personally, I would go with Scherzer first before DeGrom, 
but the Mets are probably going to give it to DeGrom because he's been here the longest, and he is just about as good as Scherzer. So they're probably going to go with DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett, and then we'll see how it goes after that. As for the Yankees and Aaron Judge, he is still looking for his 62nd home run of the season, which would break the AL single-season home run record, and he's going to have to do it on the road. He wasn't able to do it at home, and the Orioles still pitched to him. The Orioles actually pitched him pretty well. He got some walks, but, I mean, Aaron Judge walks a lot anyway, so that's part of his game. It's not like the Orioles were intentionally just trying to pitch around him. They were going after him. Judge did strike out a lot over the weekend, and his average has dipped a little bit, so now he's a few points behind Luis Arise in batting average. So if he's going to want to win the Triple Crown, he's going to need to get it going against the Rangers. And if he wants to hit that 60-second home run, he's only got three more games left. I thought he would have had it by now. I totally thought he would do it over the weekend, but he just didn't. So we'll see if he can do it against the Rangers. I do want to get to some NFL here because the Jets had a wonderful weekend. They beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it looked like the Jets were going to go down in the second half. They were down 24-10, I believe, in that second half, and they came all the way back. Zach Wilson orchestrating a fourth-quarter comeback against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it was just, you know, if you're a Jets fan, you're just so excited because this team is finally competitive when they should be. So many times over the past few years, you look at this Jets team, and they're going up against, you know, you name any other team, and they should be competitive against that team, but that team ends up beating them handily, and the Jets are never competitive. But the Jets ended up winning this game, handing the Steelers their third loss of the season. Kenny Pickett actually came in. They made Mitchell Trubisky look terrible. And that's something that I highlighted in my Friday podcast was that this Jets defense needs a huge bounce back game because the Steelers offense sucks. The Steelers offense is terrible with Mitch Trubisky. They brought in Kenny Pickett. It wasn't much better, but at least they can move the ball down the field. Pickett did throw three interceptions. This Jets defense, they showed out pretty well today Uh, they only they gave up less than 300 yards of total offense and then offensively for the Jets Zach Wilson 18 of 36 he started off the game horribly throwing two interceptions but it all comes down to that last drive it's not how you start it's how you finish and that's exactly what Zach Wilson did one touchdown two interceptions did throw those two interceptions in the first half but he settled down the Jets scored 14 points in the fourth quarter to beat the Steelers Brees Hall, who has turned into an absolute dog, 17 carries, 66 yards, a touchdown, Corey Davis getting in on the action, Elijah Moore. It was just really fun to see this team playing as well as they did. Obviously, they could have played even better, especially against the Steelers um, and that defense, but a win is a win, and we're going to take it. It wasn't Wilson was not great, but he was good when it counted in the fourth quarter for at least that last drive for sure, 5 of 5 for over 50 yards passing, but I'm not a big fan of that fourth quarter comeback stat. Basically, it's saying how the quarterback has been terrible for the first three quarters, and then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, they get it going, they have a couple of nice drives, and then the team wins the game by a touchdown or a field goal. But Zach Wilson, this is the exact textbook case of why I do not like the fourth quarter stat, because they'll just look at the fourth quarter, and they'll say, oh yeah, Zach Wilson is so great, but I mean, he played, he was he was not good in that first half. The second half was better. He wasn't great. He was okay. I'm just happy that he did not get hurt. That was the number one thing that I said going in. I want Zach Wilson to come out of this game healthy, and he did. That is it. 
Um, he was under duress for a lot of the game. He was sacked four times through two interceptions because of that. And the Jets just had a lot of injuries on the offensive line. So it's what you expect. Not pretty, but the Jets get it done 24-20. to They beat the Steelers. And the next week, they will be moving on to face the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins coming off their first loss of the season. They're 3-1. and And the Jets looking to uh, get into that tie for first place. The Bills winning today. We'll get into that in a little bit. They were down by 17 points against the Ravens. It's looking good here in New York for the football team, something that we haven't been able to say in quite a while. Giants also able to get a win against the Chicago Bears. And another one of these games for the Giants that it doesn't look pretty offensively, but they somehow get the win against the Chicago Bears. Justin Fields looks horrible as the quarterback. And if I'm the Bears, even though they're 2-2, two and two, I'm trying to tank the rest of the season, trying to get one of these quarterbacks coming out of the NFL draft because Justin Fields, I'm sorry, but he is not it. Giants really used Barkley a lot. 31 carries for 146 yards, and he's on his way. For my money, he is definitely the uh, comeback player of the year. I think it's without a doubt, especially if he continues on this pace. He is the comeback player of the year. Daniel Jones, 8 of 13 for 71 yards passing. It was ugly. The offense is not there, but the defense is the reason why they are winning these games. And let's face it, another big reason why they're winning these games is because the level of play that they are going up against. They beat Carolina, they beat Chicago, and they beat Tennessee. Tennessee actually is showing that they are a pretty decent team. They beat Carolina, they beat Chicago, they should have been in Dallas, but Carolina and Chicago are two teams that are not going anywhere, Baker Mayfield and Justin Fields, both of those quarterbacks look horrible. Give credit to the Giants, like you can't you can't fault them for playing who is on their schedule, they're getting these wins when they should, they're 3-1, and one. probably should be 4-0, but now they will head to London against the Green Bay Packers who just barely eked out a win against the New England Patriots at home against the third-string quarterback for the Patriots. That game went into overtime, and the Packers won as the clock expired. So another game for the Giants that they should probably at least be competitive, and they could end up even winning the game against the Packers. Elsewhere around the league in the NFL, just some things that caught my eye. I do want to talk about my picks here. As I was right, picking the Cardinals over the Panthers. For some reason, the Cardinals were actually underdogs going into this game. I talked about how Mayfield is really just, he's miserable to watch. So many balls that are batted down, and he just throws a ball that is just not catchable. He just slings it in there. I think if he's, I mean, he has a great arm. I'm not taking anything away from him. He's just not accurate, and he just does not throw the ball in a place that his receivers can make an easy catch on. It's always, you know, up, down, to the side, you know, behind them, in front of them, and the receivers just have a tough time catching the ball for some reason. I don't know what it is, but it's just not a catchable ball that Baker Mayfield throws. The Cardinals are a team that I just have a lot of trouble watching just because it's every play seems like they're having trouble communicating and taking the play clock all the way down to zero. I mean, every single time you have Kyler Murray you know, talking with his line and then going to the wide receivers because they don't know where they're going. The running back doesn't know where he is lining up, and then Kyler's snapping the ball with zero on the play clock, um, but... The Cardinals do get the win, and they improve their record, and the Panthers just look like they're not going anywhere. Matt Rule probably close to getting the boot on his job. We have the Eagles. They got the win against the Jaguars. I thought the Jaguars were going to cover, but they did not. This line was 6.5. The Eagles 
Actually, we're down 14 nothing at this point in a slog. There was a ton of rain in that game, but the Eagles did find out a way to win that game, and they are still the NFL's only unbeaten team. They are 4-0 heading into Week 5. And the Bills, they came back from 17 down to beat the Ravens. Josh Allen looks like he's somewhat human. The Ravens went for it on a fourth down and field goal range in the fourth quarter. And the Bills ended up stopping them. Allen went down the field and scored. A lot of people are going to be second-guessing that call. But I do get it because even if the Ravens do kick that field goal with like four minutes to go, not really going to trust your defense to stop Josh Allen when everything's on the line. Give him four downs. Yeah, I would probably have went for it too, but Lamar Jackson just couldn't get it done. Another piece of news, we talked about how the Patriots almost beat the Packers with Bailey Zappi as their third-string quarterback going into Green Bay and beating them, but the Packers do get the win. And, you know, the Pats are just always competitive. It's amazing what that team can do, especially with the limited quarterback play that they have gotten from Mac Jones, Brian Hoyer, and now Bailey Zappi but it looks like Zappi is going to be the quarterback he played well enough to I think get a lot of Patriots fans very optimistic about what they have in Zappi and I think the coaching staff would be hard-pressed not to start Zappi next week look ahead for the week now we have the Mets playing the Nationals we said and the Yankees play the Rangers none of these games really matter for both the Mets and the Yankees for the Yankees their spot is already locked up in the playoffs, and same thing with the Mets. So I think the main focus for these two teams just going to be to stay healthy. Obviously, Aaron Judge, that home run watch for number 62. Will he get it? Will he not? The Rangers have no reason why they shouldn't be pitching to Aaron Judge. So I do think that Aaron Judge will run into one at least and get number 62. So that'll be exciting to watch throughout the week. The playoffs do start on Friday. We also have Monday Night Football tonight, Niners against the Rams. Niners favored by one and a half. That should be a good game. Garoppolo going up against Matthew Stafford. The Niners-Rams games are always really fun to watch. That'll do it for me on this Monday edition of Queued Up. Thursday Night Football this week is the Colts and Broncos, two teams that, in my opinion, are just horrible to watch. Their offenses are terrible. And then when you add on top of that, Jonathan Taylor might be out. He suffered an ankle injury in, in yesterday's game. And then Javante Williams seems to have suffered a very serious knee injury, so I would assume he is out. So you take away those two teams' two-star players, and the offenses are even more horrible to watch. Hopefully they don't set the NFL back 20 or 30 years playing this game on Thursday. Have a great Monday, everybody, and enjoy the rest of your week.